welcome to the Big Kids Book Club. A podcast about all things fictional, from middle grade to young adult. So sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Welcome to this month's edition of the Big Kids Book Club. My name is Marcus, I'm your host, and joining me on the show are my faithful co-hosts, Emma. Hello, hello, hello. How are we? Good, thank you. And we have Rob. Hello, hello. Merry Christmas. How are we doing? Yes, happy holidays, um, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Christmas, the whole shebang. How are we doing, guys? Getting colder, for sure. I'm feeling festive, I think. With every everything as it has been this year, I've sort of clung on to Christmas a little bit. Christmas being that sort of light in the dark at the end of the year, I'm, I'm really, really working my way towards Christmas. Oh, I mean, we, we need those little those little rays of sunshine, and uh, absolutely at this sort of time of year. Now, we of course are going to be using that sort of festive trend to look at. Uh, this month's book, its theme all around, well, not so much Christmas, but winter, the cold shivers and snow and all sorts of things we associate with this time of year. So that being said, the first one I'm going to dive into is what are the two or three absolute key ingredients we need to make the perfect Christmas novel? Emma, I'll come to you first. Oh, putting me right on the spot. Let's have a think. Well, Coming from an island paradise, the first thing that says to me kind of Christmas and winter is snow. There's got to be some kind of element of snow. I love snow. I'm not one of those people who's never seen snow before, but it's a it's a big, big element for me. And I think it's also kind of descriptively, it's it can be very beautiful, like the descriptions of snow and the way you can write that. So that would be my first one. I mean, the real... <laughs> The real me would like to say something to do with the mince pie because <laughs> that's just who I am. But I think some element of romance, you know, there's all the all the Christmas films kind of, you know, talk about, you know, mistletoe and people getting together and it's a time to be honest and all that jazz. I mean, that's the YA in me to the core, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, but then finally, I think kind of some element of renewal I suppose or a kind of some kind of sense of closure you know it's the last month of the year it's the last chance to kind of say okay well this has been the year like what do I definitely want to leave in this year what do I want to have done before the the year is ended and then kind of you know looking looking ahead to that kind of New Year's Eve so it's almost a chance to kind of reflect um, and then think about how we're going to kind of move move forward. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think that hits uh, pretty much most of the things that you think of with uh, winter and those sort of types of novels. Rab, is there anything Emma's missed out or you'd want to add to? Well, firstly, I think you'll be happy, Emma, because the, the book I picked for my book to read this time round is a YA romance. So we've got a bit of YA romance coming up later on. I think for me, I mean, I'm a simple man, but I like, I like a redemption arc in my Christmas stories. Like, I like to start off with someone who's really bitter and hates Christmas and feels really dark and away from everything. I'm thinking either the Grinch or Scrooge, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And who by the end has had a complete change of heart and loves Christmas. It, it's a story that's been done and again and again, but it's a story that I can endlessly enjoy. So, I, yeah, I love that kind of Christmas tale. 
in general, I think we could do with more ghosts in Christmas stories, but maybe that's oddly specific. More, more ghosts showing you what might have been and what, what could happen in the future. That's not just, not just Scrooge, but um, It's a Wonderful Life is a nice example of that as well. That's my kind of Christmas tale. This isn't, I'm not doing this as a pun on ghosts, but also the Christmas spirit, I think I really love to see in a Christmas tale as well. Something around the end point of what the story being around is people making a connection with each other and looking after each other. So it being about that deeper meaning to Christmas, because I think that deeper meaning to Christmas only happens if we put it in the stories. If not, it's easy for Christmas just to be presents and just to be um, a chance for maybe Amazon to make a few more sales and that kind of thing. But if we tell stories where we say it means a little bit more, then maybe it will mean a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I like that. And I'm actually going to probably piggyback on that spirit side, because for me, I think a really good wintry Christmassy wintry novel has a real hint of magic. Well, not a hint. It needs a big dollop of, of magic, just like a, you know, a big splodge of cream on top of Christmas pud. It needs a good amount of magic. And I always think that you have either a Christmas miracle or a Christmas something happens uh, that is just completely magical that that really sums up a, a Christmas book in my account. Snow, I'd definitely say, needs to be huge swathes of snow. Uh, I have to almost feel cold reading the novel. You you pick up on those second degree, like uh, uh, elemental sort of like presences in the book. That would definitely do it for me. I think that's that's probably it. A dollop of magic in a big heap of snow and I'm feeling quite wintry. I was just going to say on the snow though, one of my absolute favourite Christmas songs is, do you know White Wine in the Sun by Tim Minchin? no. He's singing about spending Christmas in Australia and he talks, he's singing specifically to his daughter. And obviously Tim mentions a funny singer, but it's one that'll make you laugh and then it'll just make you cry by the end of the song. So if someone, you know, if someone wants to set a beautiful Christmas novel in Australia in the sunshine, I would read it. But they'd be, t- they'd be being deliberately contrary by doing that, I suppose, as well. <laughs> Well, actually, to be fair, that's going to take us really nice as a segue, because I was going to say that on the flip side of winter novels, like what are some of the things that we think of when we're trying to like subvert those expectations? Because obviously they are quite deeply stereotypical rooted winter themes. And I wondered if if any of there was anything that you I mean, you've already mentioned you'd like to see more ghosts in novels. If there's any particular statements or themes or or narrative structures you would actually like to see more of in sort of wintry tales. Emma, let's start with you. Maybe. I mean, this might be a bit of a controversial opinion, but like you've just kind of mentioned there with the Christmas miracle, in a Christmas novel or a Christmas film, I think you'd always kind of expect it to finish as, you know, they lived happily ever after and everybody, you know, everything worked out for the best. And as much as I am a sucker for, you know, a happy ending and everybody gets together and all the happiness in the world. Sometimes I think it, it it can be a bit predictable. You know, sometimes you can get to being kind of halfway through the novel and then you have the crux of the problem and it's like, oh, this has gone wrong. But then it's a Christmas novel, so it's going to work out. So how are they going to make it work out? So maybe something that has kind of a different sort of happy ending. Maybe, you know, the couple don't get back together, but they both accept that they're better off as friends or maybe, you know, Santa doesn't save the day and brings all the great gifts, but you know, like the Who's down in Whoville, they appreciate that Christmas is something more than the material things. So yeah, maybe I guess something that we would not 
necessarily expect to see but then and maybe not feel comfortable reading but then when it actually happens you're like oh well that's actually a really nice way to see it in a different point of view in terms of those sort of examples I'd love to see something where it ends up being okay for the character who hates Christmas to hate Christmas because some people do hate Christmas and it's maybe from it having been a really difficult time of year for them for one reason or other and it tends to be in the Christmas film that by the end they they are loving Christmas and they're part of the Christmas bubble so when we're looking at those different twists on the endings you could have I would like to see a Grinch where it's okay for them to be the Grinch and it can remain being the Grinch and that's just fine that's something I'd, I'd love to see I think I'd like to see some more pagan themes and stories around this time as well when we're looking at sort of the, the history of Christmas, when we're looking at it as sort of a festival of, of light and brightness in the middle of a dark season. And maybe the reason being for that being that when you've got a long enough time of cold and dark, people get quite depressed and putting something in the middle of it can be something that keeps people more well. And that was something that was understood hundreds of years before we even had terms like depression. And then maybe actually having sort of more ancient eldritch sort of stories of, of the dark and the winter and a, and a day of light within that would certainly be something I've not seen much of but I'd be interested in reading yeah I mean for me there's um I kind of want to piggyback on that as well because basically for me my my theme for this this question as it were was I, I have a friend who is currently celebrating Hanukkah and mm. um hadn't got the foggiest of what it was and that's just because this time of year it's almost like because uh, there's there's Hanukkah and Kwanzaa, which are, are both sort of very big festivals centered around this time of year, uh, you know, the, the renewal of the year and such like that. They're really much sort of like little brother and sister to Christmas, which has become this beloved favorite child, which just dominates. So I would love to see more stories where you have, let's go save Hanukkah, let's go save Kwanzaa, um, rather than just constantly just rehash just don't feel I'm, I'm sort of done with Christmas turkey and, and and all that sort of stuff. I would love to know more of like a, a middle grade or a film that has Hanukkah or Kwanzaa at its heart, because I, I, I the only way I'm going to find out about them, the only way I'm going to really learn more is if I read and educate myself. And what better way to educate myself than with a story that sort of does that for me, which I'm not even realizing, but I'm actually learning. As I'm enjoying the story, so that's something I would personally, personally like. Um, that's a lovely thought for young people as well. If you think about different young people in the school together, if you've got, you know, a, a, a class of thirty and you've got one or two kids in that class who are celebrating Hanukkah, to then have that to be more understood by the other other children because they've read that story is, yeah, it's it, it's nice for for everyone in that classroom. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. But uh, just just some of our ramblings. But uh, we are going to probably saying that we're going to quickly deviate to the next question, which has got a bit more of a Christmassy theme to it, which was just a little bit of fun at this time of year because it's always a, uh, there's always fun involved uh, around the the holidays. And so looking at wintry style books or films, I'm going to expand this into films as well because it makes it a little bit easier. I'm I'm wondering. You know, we always talk about naughty and nice lists. So uh, what would you say if you could put one film or book on the nice list and one film or book on the naughty list, what would you do? Let's uh, let's spin this around. We'll start with Rab and we'll come to Emma next. So uh, Rab, 
what film or book would go on your nice list and what film or book would go on your naughty list? On my nice list, I think what I would go for, and this is one that actually goes back to childhood for me, is Planes, Trains and Automobiles, which is such a fun film. It's a Steve Martin film. It's all about him trying to get home in time for Christmas. He's like a, a cynical 80s businessman and he gets stuck with the most uh, awful co-passenger all the way home on planes, trains and automobiles. And it's just a genuinely funny film from start to finish. Uh, but at the same time, throughout, he's getting annoyed by this other character in a, in a really comedic way. And eventually it comes down to this character giving a speech about how he just tries to be nice to people. And, and that speech is really hard hitting. Um, so I would put that... Um, I would put that speech as one of my favourite cinema speeches as well. So Planes, Trains and Automobiles would be my, my nice list film. In terms of a, a naughty list film, it's a difficult one for me. Uh, I feel like I tend to focus on, on the things I like. So I'm going to try and think of what have I, what have I watched recently and then just, um, just not been fully into. Give me a second on this one. If you okay, I mean, that's fine. We'll, we'll do the nice list. Let's go around and do the nice list first and we'll come back and do the naughty. So Emma, who, uh, what film or book would end up on your nice list for this year? I'm going to pick to talk about a film as well, just because I think we do, you know, we do talk about books a lot and it's a particularly new one, actually. I don't know if you guys have seen it yet. It's Happiest Season, uh, which is the new um, Christian Stewart Christmas film and basically the the plot kind of rotates around the fact that so the character that Christian Stewart plays is dating Mackenzie Davis's character and she invites her home for Christmas but then hasn't actually told her parents that she's a lesbian yet so it's a Christmas film that covers LGBTQ plus themes which is brilliant and definitely the first one that I have heard of and have seen or the first one that kind of has as much kind of marketing in and promotion and support behind it is this one one of the things that's really great about it is that whilst the lgbtq plus themes are within the film that's not the only kind of theme of it so whilst that's one of the main plot lines there are also plot lines about one of the daughters in the family not feeling fully accepted by her parents because her other two siblings are quite successful in what they do whereas she's more a bit of kind of out on her own and it's a lot of the emotions around Christmas you know of kind of going back home seeing your family everyone kind of being like oh so you know what have you what are you doing in life are you married do you have a great job xyz the expectations that kind of come with that and the script writing is just really brilliant um, I think there are a lot of great one-liners, a lot of great moments. And yeah, just a, a different kind of Christmas film that I think fits in really well with the, the year we've had so far. I'm going to go for a film as well. Let's, let's get a film, film session going on. Uh, my one is Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey, which is out on Netflix. And it's basically, it's kind of like a Christmas musical. It is brilliant. So it basically follows a, a guy who's like the most ultimate toy maker and he actually puts like magic into his toys. And anyway, he has this apprentice who like steals his book of inventions and goes off and becomes super wealthy and famous. And this guy sort of is, becomes heartbroken. And it's all about a, a journey of like, he disconnects, he sort of shuts off from the world. And so his daughter like moves on, she moves to another town. And uh, this Christmas, she wants her daughter who uh, she can her, which would be the, toy maker's granddaughter who's very much like him she's super smart she's like she makes all these inventions so she's like i think you need to reconnect with your granddad she she gets sent to her granddad's for the holidays he's a he's kind of a grinchy character so rab would like this and basically having his granddaughter around connects him to why he loved inventing because he stopped inventing because he's so 
sad, basically. And anyway, they end up trying to prove that the apprentice is actually the charlatan uh, that he is, and he's the fraud. Uh, all ends up happily ever after. But the magic of his inventions comes back to him and he can reinvent. There's amazing songs within it. It looks great. It looks so good because it's got this whole Victorian-esque, I don't know, it's kind of got a sort of like a uh, steampunky vibe to it, which I, I really enjoyed. I loved every minute of it and sort of like for like two hours just sitting here enjoying the, the actual songs and whatnot. It's also, it's um, got a majoritively um, black and ethnic diverse cast. Like it's all got black leads because uh, and the director David, is it David E. Talbot, you know he he wrote the screenplay and he directed it and he's he's done some brilliant stuff as well. So it was just all around, just loved every second of it. So my nice list for sure. So that's nice. What about Naughty? Let's reverse this. Let's spin this around. Emma, I'm coming back to you first. So this is a very very controversial opinion. And I feel like I might lose some support that I may or may not have gained since this podcast. But one Christmas film that I am really not a fan of is Elf. And I know, I know. And I think perhaps the reason why I have this issue, not that any of you can see this, but Marcus is very, very unimpressed right now. He's just having a moment to collect himself. Fine. He had to take Fine. off his headphones. Fine. <laughs> he had to remove think... himself from technical detection. <laughs> I think the problem I have with this film is not the film itself, but just Will Farrell. I think it ruins it for me. I think it's, I mean, it's a great plot. I think it's a really funny plot, but I just think that just him, it just, I can't see past it. And maybe that makes me a Grinch, but I'm, I'm sorry, but it's what I think. So who are you putting on the naughty list? Is it Elf or is it just Will Farrell specifically? Both. <laughs> oh very controversial there is some actors i'm a bit like that with where where i just don't like them where and and it's you know it's some part of my body's just like nope not not wouldn't get along with you if i met you sort of thing yep so that's that's my controversial opinion um but yeah i will i will be placing elf on my naughty list and i apologize to any listeners out there who may disagree with me but you're wrong <laughs> oh moving swiftly on i feel Some apology to assault um rab what's your naughty list so i managed to think about it at first i was thinking okay if i can't think about it's that just because i love christmas so much if i just like so full of the christmas spirit but what i've realized is actually when i don't like films i just turn them off part way through um and that's yeah, that's that's why it, it, it takes me a while to think of one. So my one, I think, might be slightly controversial too. When uh, when you started mentioning controversy there, I wondered if you'd pick it. But for me, it, it goes on the naughty list for being an unnecessary sequel, and it's Frozen 2. Because we watched that the other day, and, you know, it's you know, a wonderful wintry story sort of idea. But but Frozen 1, every song was just just knocked out of the park it had that brilliant what does uh snowman do in summer it, and, and the plot just pulled you along throughout it frozen 2 is adding in law that that feels completely unnecessary in order to try and it almost acts as if it's trying to explain the first film and the first film wasn't really a film that needed explaining but we got about 40 minutes in and we turned it off to watch the next night and we've, we've never gone back to it and i think that's i think that's quite telling for a film but I was, uh, I was listening to Ali Plum, who was the film reviewer for uh, the BBC on Radio 1 the other day, and he, he said with Christmas films that he, he thought no one should ever have to try to like something 
that people often feel if a, a Christmas one that they don't like, if it's a really popular one, that like Love Actually or something, they should have to try to like it. But if, if you don't like a Christmas film, don't feel you have to try. I think that I think that can apply to us for Frozen 2 and for, for Elf as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm... Oh, I love probably... Elf, just to be clear. <laughs> yeah, but again, like you say, if you if you can handle the, the, the complete madness, which is Will Ferrell, I think you will like it. For my one, uh, again, this might... Some people will be like, how dare he? But I really, I really can't stand either version because I've watched both versions now, unfortunately, of The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Oh, The Grinch. Can't stand it. Can but I the animated it? one. I can't stand I mean, I, I could just get behind Jim Carrey's Grinch with the, the live action one because Jim Carrey was funny in that. Like there's some, there's some one-liners, but I can't stand the story. And then this, this new illumination, the guys who made... Um, uh, Minions did one as well, and I watched that, and I cannot, I can't stand. Is that the, the Benedict Cumberbatch one? I don't know. I, I watched. I, I watched. I mean, it's it's a loose term, isn't it? But loose term. It was on in the background, and I sort of like casually glanced over it occasionally. I can't stand the Grinch. See, I think you not liking the Grinch makes you a Grinch. <laughs> but see, that's the thing about the Grinch. The Grinch doesn't like the Grinch, and that's why he's sad. <laughs> oh dear yeah maybe i have a grinch but i it's something i mean i've never been an overly big seuss fan with the whole sort of rhyming couplets and all that whole sort of um we watched the grinch the other day there's a moment in it and this is the stupidest bit of comedy so i can very much see why someone didn't like it but there's a moment in it where a goat appears and then just screams really loudly oh that reindeer thing where it's scre- yeah no it, and that that genuinely made me laugh for like five minutes my partner kept doing the scream at me for the rest of the day so that shows the low level of like i've got a low barrier for quality of humor clearly <laughs> i don't know what it is i just yeah just i there's nothing more to say than if i am a grinch for the grinch but listen tally plum you don't have to try and like it you don't yeah. have to sit through the grinch and be like mm, i'm no. having a real good time <laughs> but yeah naughty list grinch elf <sighs> and then of course we've got frozen 2 i haven't seen frozen 2 so i can't comment so neither have uh, i but yeah, there you go. Our naughty lists, our nice lists. You can agree, you can disagree. They are our opinions. You don't have to like them. You may agree with them, but there you go. I think that's all we can say to that. But we're going to gift wrap that for now. And we're going to be back in a second with some book recommendations um, and some books we're interested to read. So catch us the next section. Welcome back to the second half of the show. Uh, this is when we are going to be talking about the books we've read that we think you will absolutely love and some of the ones on our horizon that we're eager to read. So thinking wintry, wonderlandy books. Uh, Rab, what is a book that you've read recently that you loved and people should read? So I've picked um, quite an old book for this one and I've got a couple of reasons behind picking it. Um, so it's from 1967. It's called The Mouse and the Child. It's, it's a beautiful book. It, uh, it's around uh, two wind-up tin mice, one who is the father and one who is the, the child. And they come to life. Uh, it's, it's Toy Story before Toy Story, essentially, in terms, of, uh, in terms of the concept. And the reason that I picked this book was because we've talked to, I think a lot of the, the middle grade books we've spoken about are books that you would give to a young person of primary school age and sort of send them away to read. Whereas I think this book is the sort of book that is absolutely beautiful to read with a child. And I think it would be the sort of thing that being read by a teacher or being read by a parent would be really lovely. 
I actually came across it through um, a charity I work for called The Reader, who do, um, they're all about reading aloud and the benefits of reading aloud. Uh, and in one of our meetups that we do, this was one of the books that we explored. It's fantastic because it's got little bits of darkness in it. It's got a little bit of that winter darkness in it. There's real bits of fear. And I suppose the, the, the way to tell you what I'm, I'm talking about really is to, is to just share a little bit of it with you. This is just after the mice come to life. We've got, where are we? The mouse child asked his father. His voice was tiny in the stillness of the night. I don't know, the father answered. What are we, Papa? I don't know. We must wait. And so there's a real, there's a real line of deep philosophical questions running through the book as well that the father doesn't actually have all the answers to. So there's how, how are we, how have we come to life in this world? How do we exist? And the fact that he doesn't have the answers and that him and the child discuss it, I think would really open up some really com I love the conversations between adults and young people as well. And it's it's got a touch of magic to it as well. And it's got a touch of the winter wonderland. So that would be my book that I, I've read recently. And I definitely recommend to anyone to read aloud with someone you love. It doesn't have to be with a child. It's, it's, it's a book that I think two adults would enjoy as well. But yeah, it's a, it's a reading aloud recommendation, The Mouse and the Child. Oh, I love that. Love that. Something very different. It's something very poignant. Uh, Emma, what's, uh, what's one that you read recently that you want to talk about? So funnily enough, my choice is also quite uh, an aged book, um, although recently brought back to fame through film adaption. And it's The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis, um, which was originally published in 1950. And I like this book particularly because it was one of the first books that I read in French uh, when I was doing my French degree, because I started with children's books because it was a simpler, the language was simple. And almost reading it in a different language gave me such an appreciation for the descriptions um, in it. And the book itself, I think, is great because it's, it again, it poses those kind of poignant questions. You know, they they start off as children in a very kind of difficult time with the war and all that. And then they go into Narnia and they have this huge adventure where everybody expects them to be leaders, even though they're only kids. And then they're able to become these adults. And then when they come back out of the wardrobe, they're children again. So it then kind of makes you wonder that if, you know, when they come back as children, do they then have the maturity of the adults that they had when they were in Narnia? Did that kind of travel back with them? And yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a fantasy novel, so it's great for the imagination. There is a little um, cameo appearance by Father Christmas when he is uh, allowed back after the White Witch's magic starts to kind of fade and, and the kind of positivity comes back. So it is in some ways a Christmas novel. And yeah, I just think it's one of those, one of those novels that, or books, I should say, that offers a little bit for, for everyone. And I think definitely reading it as an adult, you can kind of appreciate the the trials and tribulations they were faced with and how they were kind of expected to overcome those. And then the gifts and weapons and such they were given by Father Christmas help with that. I'm not sure I would endorse giving children weapons for Christmas, um, <laughs> but within the novel, it's very uh, appropriate. There's something wonderful in that idea of being a child that's moved into an adult's body, isn't there as well? Because that's, that's essentially what being an adult feels like. 100%. Yes. I think anyone who's listening to this is probably nodding their head going, oh my God, yes, adulting, 
Oh, I'm actually going to lean back for my choice. Uh, I mentioned earlier some of the ingredients I love uh, about Wintry Books, snow and magic. I think that might be because I've been influenced by this selection, which is the Polar Bears Explorers Club by Alex Bell. It's a middle-grade fantasy, polar fantasy, and it literally does exactly what it says on the tin almost. It is a very magical, whimsy adventure exploration book where you have uh, this character who, who's called Stella. Um, she is uh, a young girl who lives in this fantasy world where like, there's magical stuff like all around her, like uh, in her... She, she lives in, in a house, her, her father, who, um, who found her as a, a baby on the ice shields of like the North Pole when he was exploring and basically sort of like uh, raised her as his own. Uh, his, his house is full of wondrous stuff. Like there's mini, mini dinosaurs. She has a little T-Rex that um, sits on her lap and she pets it like a house cat. She's a pet polar bear. She has a pet polar bear as well. All of these sort of wondrous things. He gives her for her, her 12th birthday, this igloo that she's made of ice that will never melt. And this little family of like tiny magical penguins that live inside it as well lots of magic lots of whimsy but for her 12th birthday what uh, Stella really wants is she wants to go on exploration with him because he's just about to go on a new exploration only problem is the uh, the explorers club does not accept girls or women because this is very much set in a sort of like guess it's like a Victorian sort of type world magical world anyway uh, something happens where Stella ma- manages to basically uh, convince her her father to let her come and he's just like you know what you're coming on the expedition and those hoity-toity stuffy heads of the 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 polar bear club can just they can like it or lump it and uh she she ends up going on the expedition with very much a sort of like almost a weight on it because she's like you're going on this one expedition like the head's like you're going on this one expedition and if anything happens then never will never let another girl in again so she's kind of like oh crumbs I, I, i best not mess this up but on the way, she's, she meets a couple of other young, young explorers who are also traveling with their like their uncles or their guardians or their fathers and stuff like that. Um, some of these boys are really nice. There's one called Bean, who uh, is a bit of a strange boy. He's a bit more like an uh, introvert. He likes books and stuff like that. And he doesn't like to be touched. Uh, there's one boy who's called Shay, who's a wolf whisperer. He can talk to wolves through his mind. And there's one boy um, uh, called Edward, who's just a complete and utter, uh, you know, nasty piece of work. And he actually, he's... He's part of a rival club called the o- Ocean Squid Explorers Club. And they're sort of working together with the Polar Bear Club to, to map this new uh, ice fields and stuff like that. Exploration happens. The kids get separated. They go off on their own little adventure, get lost in the snow. I'm not going to try and ruin it for anyone because it's actually a really beautiful, whimsy, magical story about self-exploration, about stepping up to the mark, balancing expectations and found friendship, uh, which is so... Like I said, it's beautiful, tons of snow, tons of magic. So it's got all the dollops of, like I said, dollop of cream on top of my Christmas pud that I wanted in a winter novel. So that's my choice, The Polar Bears Explorers Club by Alex Bell. So flipping on this head, we go back round the table, but this time a wintry book we would like to read. So Emma, I'm coming back to you first. So the book that I have chosen, which we have realized might might be an overlap with Rab, is Let It Snow. So Let It Snow has three authors. So it's basically three kind of separate stories that are all kept into one book and they intertwine with one another. So the stories are The Jubilee Express by Maureen Johnson, A Cheertastic Christmas Miracle by John Green, and The Patron Saint of Pigs by Lauren Miracle. 
So the reason this first popped out to me was the cover of the book. I know they don't say judge a book by its cover, but it was the first thing that caught my eye. And then I saw John Green's name and I'm pretty sure I had just finished reading The Fall in Our Stars at that point. So it did pop out and I picked it up in the book shop and I can't remember why I didn't buy it. I think it might have been October-ish time. And I thought, well, you know, that's a Christmas book. I can't read it in October. That's definitely not acceptable. So alas, I have still not read it. But the way it's described and the kind of synopsis in my head, it's almost like a Love Actually, but for teenagers. Love Actually is one of my top two Christmas films, the other being The Holiday. And I just really love people who are able to, both in film and in in novels, who are able to have so many complex storylines that somehow intertwine and then it be kind of comes apparent throughout the story how they all kind of intermingle and the impact they have on one another so yeah I'm very excited to read this um, and I think I might treat myself with it as a Christmas present from me to me but yeah I think it would be I mean it's YA it's got that little element of romance it takes place throughout a huge snowstorm so the snow is there it's Christmas time so I mean on paper ironically enough it should be a perfect christmas novel so watch this space for whether or not it is or is not to go from the point about books and covers as well that's that's very true when it comes to people it's it's a great it's a great metaphor but when it comes to books and i'm speaking from the point of view of a writer here as well please do judge it by the cover because I'm going to be working with my publisher to try and get the perfect cover to say, this is what this book's about. This is who we think it'll appeal to. Try to try and make it, to try and draw attention to it. Like a lot of work goes into covers being, being that thing to try and draw people in and to be that, that first um, step into a book. So maybe, maybe it's okay with actual books to judge them by the covers. We'll, we'll have to keep the metaphor, but lose the, lose the literal meaning. In terms uh, of my book choice, what I should have told you, Emma, when we were thinking about it, possibly being a clash because of being two um, young adult romances is I've gone in a slightly different way this time around and it's actually a young adult graphic novel so I hope that still qualifies as a book I hope I'm not going to be yep. kicked out yep. well yeah, not unless you've already read it I've not already read it this time. <laughs> I only break one rule each time um, this time the rule is that it's not I mean, it is, a graphic novel is a sort of book, so... They are books. It's, yeah, Audio it's with, books are books, graphic novels are books, books are books. Yeah, it's certainly within the field of book, to my my knowledge. And what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm actually going to give you a little bit of the synopsis before I give you the title. The reason for this being is it's a retelling, and I want to see if either of you can guess what it's a retelling of. Okay. So... I like this game. Yes. When Victor and Nora happen to meet at the cemetery outside of town. They are astonished to find the connection they have been missing in their lives. Their summer quickly spirals into a beautiful romance and Victor's cold heart begins to thaw, allowing him to enjoy life just a little bit more. But when Victor learns of Nora's illness, he's driven to find a solution to keep him from losing another person he loves by any means necessary. Do you want to guess first? I've got, I've already, I've got one, but I'll let Emma guess first. I've got nothing. It kind of sounds almost like Nightmare Before Christmassy. It's not Nightmare Before ah. Christmas. It's got that similar grim, dark, gothic Yeah, it's feel, got the though. graveyard and all that sort of stuff to it. I was like, okay. The, it's a um, Mr. Freeze from Batman. I was going to say that as soon as he said his heart begins to thaw and to keep somebody else alive. I was like, oh, well, that sounds like Batman, but that's not like 
a fairy tale of like retellings. I well, that's it. It, it. it. It's a, it's um, the full title is Victor and Nora, a Gotham love story. And I think it's such a wonderful idea because it, comics are the, the sort of fairy tales of our time, aren't they? The, the, yeah. the, oh, oh, the mythology of our time, the sort of the story where you can keep repurposing these characters because everyone sort of knows the characters now. So you don't need to explain the character, explain their powers. You can just throw them into new situations and do kind of different things with them. So this is a, a, a young adult graphic novel that's, that's following how Victor Freeze meets his, which is a name that predicted his future if ever named us, um, how he meets his wife who then, who then becomes ill and, and starts him on his journey towards experimenting with science and, and experimenting with the powers of ice. Because Mr. Freeze always had a tragic backstory, and it's, it's an exploration of that in a in a YA love tale. Um, apparently, it focuses a little bit more on Nora as well, because I suppose she's the slightly more perhaps our heroine within it. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that because it it seems a really interesting sort of idea to do, and um, particularly that they've particularly framed it as we want this to be a young adult graphic novel. So so that's what I'm I'm quite excited for that fits our mystery theme. I will definitely be adding that to my TBR list. Anything Batman, you had me. But then I love I love a twisted story, like the other side of it. So like how Wicked is the Wizard of Oz, mm. but from the other perspective, I think is brilliant. And you can put so many kind of Easter eggs in there for how they link up together. That sounds great. It feels like it will have that sort of wickedy style to it as well, which also sounds a bit like an early 90s thing to say. It's going to be wicked. <laughs> <laughs> We're all showing our age now, I think. <laughs> I'm going for Frostheart by Jamie Littler, which is it's very whimsical. It's about a, a boy called Ash, and he lives in a, a world which is all icy, and it's filled with monsters, and everyone lives in these little strongholds, uh, these icy strongholds. And his parents are like uh, scouts, and they, they scout the way between these strongholds and keep um, caravans sort of safe from the monsters. Anyway, one, one year, um, Jamie's parents never come back, and he's all alone. Uh, which I mean would be bad enough but he's also got this ability which he's like I can't remember if he's called like a song caller or something like that where he can sing and it actually attracts the monsters so he's a bit of a an outcast a pariah because it's just like oh god that, that boy who can doom us all and he basically ends up uh, going on uh, out into the the fields on his own in the ice fields looking at the back of the synopsis he joins a ship which is called I think it's called the Aurora let me just double check um, and then he's sort of like from here, yeah, the Snow Sea, it's called, which just sounds amazing, the Snow Sea. So he he basically goes on a bit of a magical journey to try and find his missing parents. Um, and it has that sort of very whimsical, magical. I mean, it's a, very, it's a fantasy world, so it gets that hands down. The, you know, it's setting a completely icy, snowy sort of domain. And then on top of it, it has that sort of wholesome wholesome quest behind it and i've just seen some of the illustrations which are, uh, are done by jamie littler himself and the illustrations are beautiful so it's one that i was like tempted to get like the audiobook and then i saw the illustrations was like i'm gonna need to get a physical copy because i think you you need the illustrations to really sort of like pack in the full like depth of the story so that's my pick uh frost heart by jamie littler um so i will be putting them all, all the ones we've mentioned into the show notes so that way you guys can go check them out themselves if you fancy but it's come to that time of uh, the show as it is this time of the year the end of the show i i think really all we want to do is say a big thank you a big Christmassy thank you to all my both my lovely co-hosts for joining me through the last couple of months and helping get this podcast off 
off the ground. Big thank you to you two. Yeah, no worries. It's been so much fun doing it. I can't believe that we've been doing it for six months now. It seems crazy how quickly it comes around. And I'm sure you guys can tell from listening to us how much we do absolutely love talking about books. So thank you for sticking with us and for dealing with our comedy. Uh, and it's been great. And most of all, thank you for doing the editing. The editing's the real, the real task of any podcast or anything. Whether it sounds sounds nice to listen to or not, it's all it's all about that little that bit of work at the end of it. So thank you for the editing. No, thank you. No, it's been it's been absolutely wondrous. I'm wishing both of you two the most loveliest of of holidays. This strange Christmas and uh, holiday period we're going to be having this time of year. So, guys, I, I want you to to go out there and enjoy it as best you can, have a great time with whoever you're sharing it with. And I want to extend that Christmas cheer to you, our lovely listeners who have supported and listened to the show. Without you guys, it kind of isn't really a podcast. It's just us chatting, <laughs> which is lovely to do. Uh, but no, you guys do make it uh, amazing. So I want to be big shout out to you. Christmas wishes to everyone. And until next time, uh, Emma, Rab, we shall see you. We shall be back in 2021. Ah! Madness. Absolute madness. Let's, let's have a new year. I'm ready for a new year. Absolutely. Okay. Well, before we go, um, before people go, uh, if they want to wish you uh, a happy Christmas cheer, how can they get hold of you? Uh, is there anything you want to just quickly shout out before we disappear? Uh, Rab, uh, let's go to you first. How can people find out about you? And is there anything you want to, to shout out at this lovely time of year? So um, I'm Rab Tales everywhere, which is Rab, R-A-B, and then Tales is in stories. Uh, so that's www.rabtales.co.uk website. And then Rab Tales on Twitter and Instagram as well. Uh, I've got my novel coming out in October next year, which is available for pre-order. Young adult novel where storytelling's magic. So that's an exciting thing going on. And just everyone stay safe and well in this strange time. Yeah, I will be having a nice, quiet Christmas, my first one in the UK. So I'm actually quite looking forward to it, have something a little bit different. If you want to talk to me about anything YA specific, you can find me at emmakeen10 on Twitter or at ekeno, which is E-K-E-A-N-O on Instagram. And it's not ready just yet, but I might have a little announcement for you guys in the next month or so. So watch this space. But yeah, as Rob said, keep safe, everybody. Have a great Christmas. And remember, even though you can't go out as much as you could previously, you can always curl up with a nice Christmas book. Ah, yes. Yes, we can. For me, if you want to talk to me about all things, anything, to be fair, if you want to talk to me at all, talk to me, please. No, um, you can find me at Twitter, uh, at author underscore MJ Henson, or you can find the show's Twitter, uh, letting you know about all the things we are releasing. Uh, which is author interviews, monthly talk shows, book reviews, and more, then head on over to at Big Kids Book Club and you can find us there. That is going to be it for us today, uh, lovely listeners. I have only to say goodbye to Emma. Goodbye, Rab. Goodbye. Goodbye. And until next time, take care, stay safe, and keep on reading. <laughs>